2 Corinthians chapter 8 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. <clears throat> this is our missions month. Uh, we're going to look at missions through this month, at least until the, uh, <clears throat> the 20th when we have our brother Fagali with us. Um, but it's our missions month. And um, <clears throat> I, I want us to focus on giving, right? Now, giving is always a touchy subject, right? Because you start talking about giving and people start feeling guilty and they start feeling pressured uh, and all of that. And I don't want you to feel any of that, right? The Bible says that God loveth the cheerful giver. If you can't give cheerfully, you know what? It doesn't count with God. But you know what? He does say a cheerful giver. Now, what's cheerful about giving your money away? What's cheerful about spending money? I spend a lot of money in the week on things that, you know, don't make me very cheerful. Uh, I spend the money and it's gone and it's done. But when it comes to the things of God, do you know it's possible for us to be cheerful about it? For us to actually enjoy it? You see, giving is a crucial part of the Christian life. You see, before we were saved, uh, it was all about us. Now, we might have been clever enough to hide it some of the time, but it was still all about us. The Bible says this in in, uh, Ephesians chapter 4. It says, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor that he may have to give. One of the differences between the old man and the new man is that the old man is a taker and the new man is a giver. He's a giver. So, you know, you can't, you can't escape. It's inescapable, uh, biblically, uh, this idea of giving. Now, let, let, let me put it in context for you. <clears throat> I do not believe in the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel is you give to God and God's going to make you rich and you're going to, all, all your problems are going to be solved because God's going to make you rich. I, that's not true. Read your Bible. That's not true. God does not want all his, all his children to be wealthy. He never has. But I'll tell you what that will do. God won't be manipulated into giving to you, but but that will put you, if you get that greed in your soul that you want to give to God so that you can be wealthy, what will happen in your life is you'll end up in the place where you'll be, uh, where people will manipulate you. So prosperity gospel is not not real. Now, does God give to us? Yeah. Much more than we give to him. But I can't give for God to make me wealthy. That's manipulation and it won't work. I don't try it. Now, I do believe in tithing. Now, some people will tell you today, no, tithing is not for this age. Uh, Tithing is not right. Giving 10% to God seems to me a great place to start. I I want to challenge you as we go through this thing. You know, if you start with the 10%, I don't think you'll stop there. I don't know anybody who really gets a hold of tithing uh, who lets tithing be the end of it. You know what? You want to give more. Because there is... A fun involved. You can give and give uh, cheerfully, right? <clears throat> but, you know, when somebody says to you they don't believe in tithing, they don't believe it's for this age, a good question to ask them would be, well, then how much do you think you should give the Lord? How much do you think you should give the Lord? Is it really conceivable that in this age of grace, with all the blessings we have, that we would give less than a tithe? I think tithing is just a great place to start. I also believe in missions, I believe God's way to reach the world is to plant churches. And that's basically what our missions program is about. Now, let me just say a few words about how we as a church uh, work in missions. I'll I'll say more as we go along. But if if you take your bulletin, and in your bulletin, inside the sheet in your bulletin, uh, you've got a a bunch of names there. And those are missionaries that we support. Those are people who are getting the gospel out in different places on our behalf. Right? Now, 
We and other churches support them. In other words, we send them a check every month uh, to help support them, to help them to do the work uh, of missions, to, to, to do the work of reaching people with the gospel. Right? Uh, they're each, in, in some way, uh, basically planting churches. That's what, we're, that's what we support because we want to see churches planted. We want to see the gospel going out in that way. And here's how we do it as a church. Uh, the church, indiv- as individuals, we give to missions, different to our tithe. You know, our tithe is the 10% that we give to the Lord. Um, but we give to missions after that, and whatever comes in goes out again. Right? So whatever you give that's earmarked for missions goes straight back out in missions, and we give each of the missionaries a proportion of that. Now, we had a figure many years ago um, that, that, that we set as a church, and for several years now, we haven't actually reached that figure. And I, I realized there were some financial reversals that happened about the time that the, the economy uh, went belly up. Uh, and I realized there were some financial diverses, uh, things that happened and, and that changed things. But, you know, I think that we could do better. Now, I don't want to, I, I really, I, I have no intention of, of trying to bring guilt into this whole equation because I think that's counterproductive. I have no intention of pressuring you. But I think we have an opportunity to do something for God here. And I think if we got a hold of it, if we got a big picture thinking, we'd want to do something about it. I think we'd want to do something. I think we'd want to, and we'd be able uh, to do something about it. So we're going to talk about it this, uh, this Sunday and next Sunday. A member of the Fagali will preach for us. And then what we're going to do is we're going to take up a slip. We're going to give you a slip. I'm going to ask you to commit. Uh, now, I know you're, as, a, as a group, you're dreadful for committing to anything. If I ask you to put your name down on something, uh, you, you have a reaction to it. But I'm going to ask you to do it this time, right? <clears throat> and the reason I'm going to ask you to do it this time is whatever you tell me, we as a church... All, all of us combined are going to give to missions. I'm going to write to each of the missionaries and I'm going to tell them, this is what we have, as a church have committed to give you. You know, if we have to change the figure up or change the figure down, that's fine. Uh, but we're going to have a real figure of what we're actually promising to give these people. So I'm going to ask you uh, to pray about it. Now, I, I, I will talk more about it too as far as planning to give because if you don't plan to give, it won't happen. Um, but, but at the end of it, we'll do that. All right. Now, Second Corinthians chapter 8. Corinthians chapter 8, and let me say this too before we start. You know, I count it a privilege to give. I actually have come to the place where it's a cheerful thing, where it's an enjoyable thing. Now, it's not that I have so much that it doesn't matter. It's incredible in my life. You know, there's always something that says, well, if you would just stop giving, you could fix the things that are wrong. You could meet that problem there and fix that problem. It's always that way. But you know what? I've come to see that, you know, God can take care of me in lots of other ways as long as I actually give. So I count it a privilege. Uh, it's, it, it's no longer a burden in my life, this idea of giving. And I don't think it should be a burden in your life, too. I think it should be a joy. I think it should be a cheerful thing. All right, Second Corinthians chapter 8. <clears throat> Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Now, let me just give you a background here. Uh, they're taking up a collection for the, <clears throat> for the believers in Jerusalem. They have hit hard times, persecution, and all the rest has come down on their heads uh, in Jerusalem, and they're taking up a collection for them, right? Now, <clears throat> uh, Macedonia uh, is the northern part of Greece, and the Corinthians that he's writing to are in the southern part uh, of Greece. So he's using their near neighbors uh, to encourage them as far as giving, because he's reminding them of what they promised to give, and he's using their neighbors to encourage them. 
uh, as far as that's concerned. Right? Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded uh, in, unto the riches of their liberality. Now, we've got to unpack that first because, you know, there's a lot in there, right? Uh, there's, there's poverty, there's joy, there's riches, there's uh, affliction, there's liberality. H- how do you mesh all that together in one verse? Uh, well, Paul did, because you can. Uh, it can all come together. Uh, for to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves unto the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice. For this is expedient for you who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also of that which ye have. For if there be first a willingness, a willing mind, it is accepted according to a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased and ye be burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. As it is written, he that hath gathered much hath nothing over, and he that hath gathered little hath no lack. Let's pray. Father, would you bless your word to us today? Lord, just put your hand upon us and help us to tease our way through it. And, O Lord, I pray uh, that you would just grant us, Lord, from your spirit an ability to see, Lord, the joy of giving and the blessing of giving. And may your people be stirred, Lord. And may we give, Lord. It really doesn't matter how much we give, but Lord, may it be that our hearts are stirred and that we give to you out of a heart of love for you. And Lord, may you be pleased with what you see in us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Okay, first point we see there is give by grace. Now, what does it mean to give by grace? Uh, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Uh, Giving that counts is never possible nor comfortable. Think about it. I mean, if you were to go through your budget, and I don't care how much you have or how little you have, if you were to go through your budget and look at your money and see how much you can give, there really is nothing left over. Isn't it amazing? The needs expand. Uh, to take up the amount of money that's there. And, and most times in our lives, there's actually a need for more than we have. At least we have a perceived need for more than we have. We think, you know what? Uh, if I had more, I could live so much better. So giving that counts is never possible. Now, what God's looking for in our hearts is a willingness to give. A willingness to give. You see, grace in this sense is supernatural enabling. Now, we'll look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 next week, but it says, 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says this, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Now, it's speaking in the context of giving. And what's it saying? It's saying God is able to make it possible for you to do. 
God is able to make it possible for you to do. Now, we, we could do testimony time this morning, and we could have a bunch of you stand up and say, you know what, I had this need, but I was giving. And you know what, it was amazing, but God came through, and it actually happened in my life. Miracles happen in the area of giving in ordinary people's lives. Miracles happen because God meets the need. God is able by grace. So when we're talking about giving, we're talking about giving, not giving what we can afford because we'll never give anything if it's left to what we can afford. When we're talking about giving, we're talking about giving by grace. You see, money's not a straight line issue. Uh, It's not being clever. It's not being talented. uh, It's not look. It's not even being born with money. Because you know what? There are clever, talented people that were born with money and they end up with nothing, aren't they? One of the people that came to my mind this morning as I was preparing this was Beethoven. You know, Beethoven, everybody knows his name. Now, he's not the dog in the film, right? Beethoven was the, uh, was the composer who composed great music, right? Uh, he's world famous. Uh, the dog got his name from Beethoven. But do you know that Beethoven, while he was recognized in his own lifetime as, a, as an incredible writer, died a pauper. He was buried in a pauper's grave. Such talent, such ability. But he couldn't handle money. See, money's not a straight-line thing. Money's not, 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 not something that you just uh, kind of work on yourself and, you know, you can be clever, you can be hardworking, you can make it happen. No, because we all know people that were set for success and somehow they failed. There's a God dimension in money that goes right across the board. God is involved in In fact, Deuteronomy 8.18 says this, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee the power to get wealth. Listen, you get a good job and you go in to pick up that paycheck, you better remember, thank the boss who's giving you the money maybe, but you know what? You're going to say, Lord, thank you. Because it's God that gives you the power to get money. It's all, it's all in his court in the end. <clears throat> you know, don't, don't look at yourself and think, well, I'm pretty clever. Don't look at yourself, well, I'm just good at handling money. Those are not true. The reality is money it's a God thing. Money is a God thing. <clears throat> He's involved, and it. it doesn't go in straight lines. It doesn't go the way you expect it to go. And then you're going to say to me, well, how come bad people have money? Because you know what? God lets his rain fall uh, <clears throat> on the good and the evil, on the saved and the unsaved. <clears throat> God does that. But understand that when it comes to your money and my money, God's involved in it. God's very much involved in it. You see, if you're ever going to have financial peace, you have to honor God as far as money is concerned. <clears throat> you have to come to the... Uh, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 say, Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with all the first, first fruits of thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Listen, if you put God, put God first in your money, you're going to find that he takes care of you. That's the reality of life. That's what he says. And if you don't, he has the ability to tighten uh, the, the phones in your life. And you know what? We could have a bunch of us stand up and testify to that too, couldn't we? We could testify to times when, when you know, we didn't honor God with our money and things got incredibly tight in our lives. Things got very difficult in our lives because uh, we weren't honoring God. Now you say, <clears throat> Pastor, uh, do you mean that's always true? Yeah, if God says that, it's always true. That's always true. <clears throat> J.D. Rockefeller, that probably, if he wasn't the richest man in the world, he was certainly one of, uh, <clears throat> one of the richest men in the world, right? J.D. Rockefeller said this. He said, if I hadn't tithed off the first dollar, I wouldn't have tithed off the first million. 
Right? If he hadn't tied, if he hadn't given God, honored God with the first dollar he made, then he wouldn't have honored God by by tithing off the first million because he'd never have had it. Would never have happened in his life. You see, you may look come this morning. You may say, "Look, there's no way I can give anymore. I'm I'm strapped. I haven't got enough to make ends meet. I can't do it. It's impossible." I'm going to challenge you to go to the Lord with it during these days and ask the Lord what He would have you to do. Because you'd be surprised what you could do and how he could meet your need if you would just do what he wants you to do. You see, if you're saying there's no way I can give to missions, you're just in the right place. You're in the place where you recognize I can't. And you see, your giving has to be by grace. You're expecting God to meet you and take care of you in your giving. Is it scary? Yes. Is it uncomfortable? Yes. But you know what? When you meet God in it, it gets to be exciting. And giving is one of the areas that we meet God in. All right, so that's the first thought. The first thought is giving needs to be by grace. Uh, the second thought is you need to give beyond your power. Look at these people uh, in, Corinth, in Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. Now remember, this is the early church, and what you've got is you've got a persecuted people. And you see, if you became a persecuted people, uh, you were out from under the law, you were out from under protection, and people could and did take anything that was yours and use it for themselves. And, you know, you had very little that you could say about it. So these people, because of their faith, were now living on a knife edge. They had nothing. They were in affliction. Uh, they were enduring great hardship, right? They, so they had a trial of affliction, but the abundance of their joy. How does joy come into that? Right? Uh, and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. You know what happened for these people? They said, we haven't got it, but we want to give anyway. They said, it's impossible for us, but we're going to do it anyway. And they succeeded in giving beyond their power, beyond their ability. Do you know, <clears throat> there is a joy in giving that you'll never know unless you do it. You'll never know it. And there's a joy in giving more than you think comfortable that you'll never know unless you actually put yourself to the test and do it. You've got to come to the place where you're willing uh, to try it. <clears throat> you know, uh, you might say to me this morning that you have very little. You know, Jesus said this. He said, it's better to give than to receive. And we live in a terribly entitled age, don't we? Somebody owes us. Somebody owes me. Somebody's supposed to give to me. And one of the problems with entitlement is we forget that we can be givers too, that we can actually rise above it and we can give. And that's where the joy and the blessing is in life. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. You see, if you wait until it's comfortable, you'll be waiting a long time. You will be waiting a long time. But you know what? If you wait till it's comfortable, you'll wait a long time and you'll miss out a whole bunch of blessings along the way. You will miss out a whole bunch of blessings, right? Um, number three, though, and here's the, the issue for us, right? You need to give yourself first. You see, if you give yourself to the Lord and you say, Lord, I'm yours. My life is yours. You can have it. You can do whatever you want to do with it. You know, there's no problem with giving anymore. What happens for us, though, is 
we hold back ourselves. We, 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 we're Christians. We, we want to live in Christianity. We want to enjoy the Christian life. But, but we hold back. You see, God doesn't actually need your money. Did you know that? He, he really doesn't need God's not up in heaven looking down at LifeGate Bible Baptist Church and thinking, oh, I hope they support missions. I don't know how I'm going to reach the world if LifeGate Bible Baptist Church doesn't support missions. God, God is not doing that. He, he's, never, he's never been short in his life. You know, God has plenty. So, so, so what's he looking for? He's looking for your heart. He's looking for a believing heart. He's looking for somebody who will put themselves out on the line and believe him and trust him and see what he can do in their lives. God wants you to give yourself first. And you know what? If you don't give yourself, you're going to have a hard time giving. If you don't give yourself to the Lord, you're going to have a hard time giving. But you know, when you give yourself to the Lord, you enter into something that you can't lose on. Because he's a much bigger giver than you will ever be. He's a much better giver than you will ever be. <clears throat> so give yourself first. Then, then he says this, abound in the grace of giving. Now, we love the verses about the abundant life, don't we? I, I want an abundant life. I, I, I want an abundant life. And I don't mean money. I want blessing in my life. I want sweetness in my life. I want God in my life. Don't you? Of course you do. <clears throat> you know, you're here on a Sunday morning. Of course you want abundance in your life. You want blessing in your life. And Paul says this to these believers. He says, therefore, as you abound in everything. Right? The Corinthian church had lots of problems, but they were abounding in some things. As you abound in faith. They were trusting God. Uh, and in utterance, they were speaking up for God. And in knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. This is something to abound in. Now, <clears throat> you know, when I talk about abounding uh, and living an abundant life, I, 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 don't, I don't want God to eke it out in my life. Do you? I don't think God ever has to eke it out because he's never short. He, you know, when, he, when, he's, when he's blessing you, man, he can bless. And, so, and I, I, I want to enjoy an abundance of blessing in my life. But you know what Paul does? He turns it on its end and he says, now I want you to enjoy abundance of giving too. And here's the thing. You know, <clears throat> I've known people that when it came to the tithe, uh, they, they, they were scrupulous about the tithe. I had a friend once <clears throat> and um, he, he had been put in for a, a prize at work. And the prize was, I don't know, it was some gift that he would receive uh, or he could receive cash. And I remember him talking to me. He was a good guy. Jim was a good guy. But, you know, I remember him talking to me and he's saying this to me, saying, now listen, um, if I get it, I want to take the prize because if I take the cash, I'll have to tithe off it. (laughs) Now, listen, he's a good guy, but he's not getting it. See, what he's thinking in his mind is, you know, I have to give up some, and he's eking it out. Nothing abundant about that. But when you get to the place where you're abundant in your giving, where you're, that's when you start enjoying it. That's when you start becoming a cheerful giver. That's when you come to the place where you actually start enjoying giving. And do you know you can enjoy giving? It's a blessing that God wants for you to have uh, in your life. <clears throat> he, he wants you to abound in the grace of giving. Uh, you want an abundant life, then you need to abound in the grace of giving also. Let me read you uh, the testimony of a man called R.G. Letourneau. Uh, He was a Christian industrialist who dedicated his life to being a businessman for God. He was hugely successful, designing and developing his own line of earth-moving equipment, right? This is a real story, but a real guy, right? 
Uh, Letourneau was the maker of nearly 300 inventions and had hundreds of patents in his lifetime. As he succeeded financially, he increased his giving to the point where he was giving 90% of his income to the Lord. He was actually giving 90% of his income to the Lord. He said this. He said, I shovel out the money and God shovels it back, but God has a bigger shovel. Now, so what's he doing? What's he thinking? He's giving 90% of his income. Let me ask you a question. Do you think his abundance of giving, he was short and he was eking it out with his 10%? I think he probably lived better on the 10% than any of the rest of us do. But you know what? He got this one. The abundance, he was, <clears throat> the, uh, he, he, Paul wants us, wants us to abound in this grace also. Now, as I'm talking to you, some of you are going to be going, because oh. he's talking about money. Right? And money's very important to us. It's very personal, very important to us. And we would like to say we don't like money, but you know what? <clears throat> Isn't it nice to have a few bob put aside? Isn't it nice uh, to have some money? And you know, Money's a hugely emotional thing for us. It is hugely emotional. And we really got to turn a switch in our mind to come to the place where we're not looking to take it. We're deciding how we're going to abound in this grace of giving. We're going to give. We're going to give uh, beyond uh, what we think is possible. But he wants you to abound uh, in this uh, giving. You see, you may say, well, you know, if I was a millionaire, I could give 90% of my income to the Lord too. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Letourneau didn't start off wealthy. And just like Rockefeller, you know, what are you doing with what you've got today? What are you doing? And I'm not saying you should be given 90% of what you've got today. I'm not saying that. Uh, <clears throat> uh, that's between you and the Lord, what you give. But what are you doing with what you've got? If you can't be trusted to be faithful with what you've got today, why would God give you more? Isn't that the truth? Don't we sometimes hold on to it to our detriment? <clears throat> okay. Um, number five. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. Right? He wants you to prove the sincerity of your love. Now, listen. I ask you why you love Jesus, and a bunch of you stood up and said why you love Jesus, and a bunch of the rest of you wanted it, but you didn't, because uh, we all love Jesus, don't we? I mean, that, that's what we, we, we I mean, he's easy to love. <laughs> uh, he, he is easy to love, right? We all love Jesus, but you know, <clears throat> Paul says, I want you to prove the sincerity of your love. I want you to come to the place where you actually show it. You see, real love always costs, and real love will make you care about the things that he cares about. It will. It just will. Real love will make you care about the things that he uh, cares about. Let me tell you a story. Now, listen, <clears throat> I don't know anything about the morality of this story. I don't know anything about the <clears throat> what went on. It's just a story that I did here. It's real people involved in it. There was a couple, uh, an older couple. They were retired, and um, they were, they were kind of, they, they were getting close, and they were looking at marriage. And so they went to Spain on a holiday, right? And while they were in Spain... Uh, she took sick, right? So she had to go into the hospital. She had some kind of a tummy book. She had to go into the hospital in Spain. And um, <clears throat> so her son came out to look after her uh, <clears throat> with this man. And this man said, I'm leaving tomorrow. And he said, you can't leave. You brought her out here. You've got to stay on, uh, until she's well and take her back. And she said, oh, no, but, I, but I'd have to buy a new ticket. And I'm not buying a new ticket. 
And so he, he left and he came home and left this woman that he supposedly loved uh, <clears throat> in the hospital uh, with her son. And when they came back to Ireland, he decided he would take up where he'd left off and he came to knock on her door and to talk to her again. And her son opened the door and said, what are you doing here? And he said, well, I came to see your mom. And he said, well, she doesn't want to see you. You didn't care about her when she was in Spain. You wouldn't spend the price of a ticket, and she doesn't want to see you now. Now, what was the problem there? He had shown the depth of his love and care, and she didn't want anything to do with him. Do you know that when it comes to love, it always has to cost you? Somewhere along the line, it always has to cost you. That's just the reality of it. I mean, we can talk about love, but sooner or later, there's going to be an occasion where we actually have to say, okay, there's a price on this thing. And when it comes to loving the things that God loves and to caring about him, <clears throat> you know what? We come to a place where we need to give. You say you love God, okay. Well, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for what? That the world might be reached with the gospel. And you know, you and I can't say, yeah, I love God. But I'm not willing to give anything to it. That needs to be, the reality it needs to be for us, you know. Listen, I love him, and I'm going to give, even though it costs me. <clears throat> Prove the sincerity of your love. Number six, Jesus is a pattern for giving. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, uh, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. What, what did Jesus do for you? What did it cost him to love you? He gave himself, didn't he? He gave the riches of heaven, left it behind. He came into this world, and he died a sinner's death, a criminal's death on a cross because he loved you. It cost him. It cost the Father. He made himself poor so that you could be rich. And aren't you rich today? I mean, if somebody offers you 5 million euros for your salvation, would you trade? No, you wouldn't, would you? You wouldn't trade it for 5 million euros. Listen, you, the, the greatest riches you have is the reality that you're born again. Why? Because Jesus died on the cross and paid the price for your sin. That's the greatest riches that you and I have. He's our pattern. He was willing to give for us that which cost him greatly. You know what? We need to understand that pattern. We need to look at that pattern. We need to have what Philippians 5 calls the mind of Christ, that same giving mind as he. And then, <clears throat> let me read you these verses. Uh, we're just done, right? Plan, plan to give and do it. Um, <clears throat> verse 10, And here and I give my advice, for this is expedient for you. Paul is saying this is good for you. Like this is expedient for you, uh, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. For if there be first a willing mind, and that's where it starts, and a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that which he hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened, but that by an equality, 
that now as this, at this time your abundance may be a supply unto their want, that their abundance may also be a supply for your want, and that there may be equality. As it is written, he that hath gathered much hath nothing over, and he that hath gathered little hath no lack. Now let me just summarize all that and give you that. Listen, you need to plan to give. These people had planned to give. Now they were having a hard time actually making it happen, but they had planned to give. Now what does it mean for you to plan to give? <clears throat> If, if, if you wait to give until all the bills are paid, you'll give nothing. You know that, don't you? If I wait to give until all the bills are paid, there's never anything. <clears throat> you need to plan to give. You need to plan to give God the first portion out of your income. Now, and, and again, you can take this and you can say, oh, no, this is just going to wreck my budget. Trust me, we're talking about grace here. We're not talking about wrecking your budget. We're not talking about you giving uh, a ridiculous, extravagant amount. We're not talking about you trusting for God more than your faith can go. But we're talking about you planning to give. You're saying, okay, Lord, what would you have me to give? And remember, <clears throat> it's, it's not about um, <clears throat> how much you give. Do you know the, the, the greatest recorded giving in the Bible? Well, maybe the alabaster box is better than that. But the greatest recording given in the Bible, apart from the alabaster box, would be the widow's mite. Do you know, do you know why that was great? Jesus said it. Jesus commanded her for it, and he said it because she'd given all that she had. You see, she demonstrated a heart of love that wanted to give, and so she gave above and beyond. And you may say, well, you know what? What I have to give is a very little value. <clears throat> it would never help anybody now listen, if that's not the issue. Remember, God's not short of money. God's not counting up the cash and hoping more comes in. He's never like that. He's got plenty, right? <clears throat> so you need to plan to give or, or it will never happen. That means organizing your money so you can give. It's a different message we're not going to look at. But do you know that all of our money belongs to God? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns us. He owns all of it. That's all he is. So 100% of my money actually belongs to God. Now, here's the thing. If I'm not a good steward of that money and looking after that money, I'll never be able to give. But you know what? If I start giving, what happens is I automatically become a good steward. Because here's what happens. You know, I begin to have a budget because, okay, I'm going to give this portion to the Lord. Now, how am I going to work the rest of it out? And I begin to get clever with the rest of the money. And it's amazing what you can do when you get clever with the rest of the money. It's amazing how God can bless as you're clever. But you've got to come to the place where you actually <clears throat> um, organize your money. You need to have a budget. You're, not, you're never going to give if you don't have a budget. You won't even know how much you could give. You won't even know how much uh, a tithe would be. <clears throat> let, let me ask you this this morning. Right? Now, don't, I don't want you to answer me. How much would a tithe of your income be? You know, if you don't know, that's a serious problem. It's, 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 it's a bigger problem than your giving. What that is, is the problem is that uh, your finances are not in order. And you're going to have such a hard time giving if your finances are not in order. And you see, if God owns 100% of it and you're a steward for him, you need to have it in order. You need to get it in order. You'll never give if you don't. Let me read you. <clears throat> and So then you need to give regularly. Here's what I find. If I do something regularly, it happens. If I don't do it regularly, you know what? If it's hit and miss with me, oftentimes it doesn't happen at all. Isn't that the way it is in your life? If I do it regularly, it happens. If I have a time, a way of doing it, if I'm bringing it in the offering, if I'm uh, doing it online, I need to have a plan. 
for how I'm going to do it. But we need to do it as far as giving is concerned. Let me read you the story of Ray Berryman. I have no idea uh, who the man is. It's a, it's, a story of a, it's a story from a site called Generous Giving. And um, the site will thrill your heart as you look at some of the stories on if you go on it, right? Ray Berryman, CEO for a national municipal service f- firm, says he and his wife give at least half of their income to God's work each year. My joy in giving comes from serving God in a way that I know he's called me to. And in realizing that what I give is impacting people for Christ. Ray says, it's exciting to know we're part of evangelizing, discipling, helping, and feeding the needy. It just feels wonderful and fulfilling. The more we give, the more we delight in our giving, and the more God delights in us. Our giving pleases us, but more importantly, it pleases God. I get really excited when it comes to this subject. My giving has been one of the central ministry activities of my life. Just after I received Christ as my Savior, I heard about tithing. I felt compelled to tithe and soon realized that God had given me the gift of giving. I learned that no matter how much I gave to God, God will always provide more to give. The more I gave, the more my heart would rejoice in serving him in this way. I soon realized that God was compelling me to give much more than 10% of my gross income. While we were still working, we want to give 50% or more of our income. And before we die, with the exception of personal items going to our children, we want to give away all that we have to God's work. Now, does he sound miserable to you? He's enjoying it. Do you think he's living on the poverty line because he's giving it? No, he's not. You know what? We need to catch, get a hold of the grace of giving, of the blessing it is to give. We need to learn to enjoy it. Because God has given you riches. You say, no, no, I'm not rich. Could we take a trip around the world and see some of the people that are poor, the people that don't know where their next meal is coming from? That's totally foreign to you, isn't it? The idea of not knowing where your next meal is coming from is totally foreign to you. You're rich. You're richer than more than 90% of the world. You know, if we can't give, you know what? Nobody can. If we can't step outside ourselves and be givers, nobody can. It's not talking about how much you have. You might have an income of a fiver a month, or you might have an income of 5000 a month. The issue is not how much you have. The issue is... Are you willing to give? Will you give God the 10%? Will you go beyond that and give something for missions? You say, well, I'd be embarrassed it's so small. Listen, don't be embarrassed. Give. And you know what you'll find? You'll find that as you give, God blesses, and you can give more. So here's my challenge to you, right? Pray about it. Don't just take my word for it. Pray about it. And study the Bible to see what it has to say about giving. Have a look at it for yourself. Right? Study the Bible to see what it has to say about giving. If you're not tithing, start. Prove God. Malachi chapter 3, one of the only things that we're told to prove God in. Prove me now, herewith saith the Lord, if I will not open the heavens, the windows of heaven, and pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. God says, you bring the tithes in, and then test me out and see what I do with it. You know what? Listen, when God tells you to prove him, go ahead and do it. Test him on it, right? Uh, So prove God uh, on it. Uh, And then if you are tithing, ask the Lord what he would have you do as far as missions are concerned. Now look, no guilt, no pressure. This is entirely between you and God. Nobody's asking for you, asking you for it. 
Uh, I won't know. But you know what? I think there's an opportunity for us to get involved in something that's important to God and an opportunity for us to know God in a different way and to know blessing. So would you pray about it and study the subject and see what God has for you in it? Because I think it could be more exciting than you know. Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, would you bless us now, Lord? We thank you for <clears throat> your word being so clear as far as giving us concern. Help each one of us, Lord. Lord, there's not a one of us in this room, Lord, that doesn't feel the pull of money in our lives, doesn't feel the need of money in our lives. But, oh, Lord, may we see you and your ability to take care of us as bigger than our shortfall. And, Lord, may we learn to give. And, Lord, would you bless this people that they might give abundantly and do it far above and beyond anything they can imagine in this day in Jesus' precious name.